G'day humans, what's good boy? Chris Fatty here with Alex Freddie Williams for another edition of Wrestling on Style. Alex, how you going, mate? I'm feeling lovely, mate. This whole episode today has sort of got me in really high spirits, just sort of going back and listening to some absolute bangers of tunes. Yeah, so I'm feeling amazing. I did a quick little refresher before we jumped on the air, so to speak. Feeling good. How about yourself, mate? Yeah, yeah, really well. This was tough to sort of to narrow it down to a top 10. Yeah, and this is a massive disclaimer. Like, music is so subjective. What I like, like Chris might not like, the next person might not like, you know, like music is such different from one person to the next. Yeah, you might not agree with my top 10. I fully expect people to not agree with my top 10 because music, like I said, very subjective. Yeah, so I think anyone who's listened to previous shows will know that Alex and myself have a bit of a different musical taste. Like when I mentioned I'm into Aussie hip hop on the ECW One Night Stand reviews. Yeah, exactly. I'm a bit of a classic metal head, to be honest, like lots of 80s metal, lots of 70s, like hard rock, like lots of 90s grunge, 90s rap. And also like my dog's named after the lead singer of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. So So I suppose we'll be counting down our top 10 from 10 to 1, but we also have a few honourable mentions we'll mention just before number 3. Yeah, before the vaunted top 3, which if you're a Survivor fan like me, the final 3 is what it's all about. Bugger off, you other 7 17 contestants not lasting until the last day. Especially that number four that didn't win the fire-making challenge. Come on. Yeah, yeah. All right, that reference may have gone over almost everyone's head, but yeah. Ah, well, hopefully none of these music ones do as we start talking. Would you like to start or should I, Alex? You know what? I'll start. Number 10 for me is uh, none other than the New Japan theme song of one cleaner Kenny Omega. I've told the story before about the first Wrestle Kingdom I ever watched. It was Wrestle Kingdom 9, I believe. And it was uh, very early into Kenny's cleaner run in New Japan. And I immediately fell in love with him. And this theme song was a big part of it. Him coming out and brushing an imaginary mess on the rampway as he's coming out, just like sweeping. Oh, man, it was the best. And then it would go on to be quite an iconic theme to the point that it is now like slightly sampled in the middle of his current AEW theme if you ever actually have a good listen to his AEW theme at about the midway point of the song there's a little musical guitar interlude that samples some of the main melody from the Kenny Omega New Japan theme yeah and his current theme lately also mentioned the name of his New Japan theme uh, referencing Devil Sky yeah it's such a good theme. It's like, like it just, it also lends itself really well for like crowd anticipation, the way it builds up, the way it hits its crescendo just as he gets out on the stage, the way it sort of slows down as he gets near the ring and then hypes back up as soon as he gets back in the ring. And a fair few of these songs that I'll talk about today have that sort of cadence to the music as well. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, this... Oh. 
There is so many good ones. This one just missed out on my shortlist, but one of the themes I've actually heard live when I went to watch a New Japan show in Australia. Yeah, man. Especially in a pandemic world, I definitely have a lot of regrets about all the Australian shows or New Japan coming to Australia shows that I didn't go to when I had the chance to. (laughs) um, I like to think right now that if the world ever comes back to its former normal, I'll definitely be going to a lot more wrestling shows because man I'm jealous I didn't get to see this entrance live. Yeah, never know AEW might tour but I suppose speaking of entrances we won't see live, I'm going to say my number 10, Jushin Thunder Liger Wow, okay. This will not be the last time this song's mentioned. (laughs) It's just iconic of New Japan wrestling, isn't it? It's like iconic of like Japanese music almost. It has that anime sound to it, you know? Um, When it picks up its crescent crescendo it's just and it hits it's like full pace it's just like rapid the melody is frantic it's just amazing yeah and the sing along with it like even like us english speaking people will try to sing along with it exactly it lends itself really well to crowd participation. Also, the clapping along with the yeah, exactly. It's um, that's what you need for a good entrance song. You know, the pacing of the song that I was talking about earlier, the crowd participation aspect. Like, yeah, spoiler alert, guys. New Japan is what I consider the best in wrestling theme songs at the very moment, and like. Think of a WWE song you like and then think about, oh, no, that's actually from like five years ago or ten years ago. Uh, their current music isn't doing anything for anyone. Yeah, there's a few in that that sort of category. I suppose from there I should talk about my number nine. All right, yeah, let's get into it. So my number nine is Show. into this one recently and it is so much fun i just love it it's like retro arcadey game sort of sound and just again it really lends itself to like cloud clapping going yeah definitely the um arcade portion of it uh yeah it's really good uh yeah it's like 
straight out of a 32-bit video game console, like, and then it just really starts to ramp up and you get genuinely excited. It's fantastic. And I think the man in which the music is for, boy, does this dude have a massive career ahead of him. Yeah, he certainly seems to have stand out those last two Best of the Super Juniors where him and Yo were in separate blocks. So it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward with Show. Yeah, I feel bad for Yo, but by default, his sort of genetic down of the two of them, the poor bugger, even though he is very talented himself. Yeah, in New Japan, that's just the difference between heavyweight champion and IC slash US slash never openweight championship level. Yeah, exactly. And you're number nine there, Alex. This is another one that sort of makes me a bit nostalgic for my earliest exposures of to New Japan, which I've said it countless times i'm very very new to all this first time i actually heard this was when i was watching a ring of honor show and this man had a match against kevin steen and that was my first exposure to this guy and then you know wrestle kingdom nine he was in one of the main events shinsuke nakamura great theme so good and the craziest thing is it's probably not even his best like this one's really good but his original nxt theme man so good too but man like this song like i listen to it and it just takes me to a time where i first saw him it was a match against kevin steen i was like what the hell is this dude this dude is something i've never seen before in my life pageantry with his entrance his movements in the ring like and boy you can't talk about japanese entrances without talking about shinsuke nakamura yeah i i don't i just yeah yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's hard to sort of talk about this and then realize the current position he's in. <laughs> he wants the smoke now. He's a fire now, apparently. Go back and watch, uh, I can't remember which particular Wrestle Kingdom it was, but there was a Wrestle Kingdom where he did an entrance and he comes out and he's got this crown and this cape on and oh, he's just swag all over the place. He's just got that swag going on and like even to this day, like there's only a handful of wrestlers that my missus, like Eliza cares about or like is interested in shinsuke nakamura is one of those guys that's resonated with her like she loves him wow new japan shinsuke or wwe shinsuke I've shown her both. Um, She's more partial to, like, NXT, Shinsuke, um, perhaps, like, first year on the main roster, Shinsuke, because I made the mistake of the first time I showed her was, like, one of the first times Shinsuke had the crowd singing along to his NXT theme. So then I go back and show her, like, some New Japan stuff, and she doesn't like it as much because it's not the NXT theme. <laughs> yeah, I'll be completely honest. Shinsuke's going to show up in my list a little bit later, so I'll talk more about it there. 
Yeah, well, you're underselling some of my top picks and I'm underselling some of your top picks. So that's fine. Tip for tat. Uh, Number eight for me is a... It's a different one. It is the theme song for Rapungi Vice. We live in a world where even kings have vices. My boy, Rocky Romero. Oh man, how good is he? I've been listening to the Talk and Shop podcast and I just love his dynamic with the good brothers like Gallows and Anderson. He just comes across like the sort of dude you just want to be best mates with. And I've like listened to some of his music on Spotify and that, and this song is just such a banger. But what Rocky Romero story do you have for me here, mate? I don't know if I've told this one before, but I've probably told you when I went to the festival hall show and saw the six-man tag, Kenny Omega and the Gorillas against Okada, Ishii, and Rocky Romero. So we do the meet and greet before the show and Rocky's there and I've got my signature from Rocky and I'm looking and he's got a black tiger mask on his counter, like his merch table. Yeah. I go, oh, you know, how much for that, Rocky? And he's gone, oh, so much. And I've gone, oh, if I give you a little more, will you sign for me? He's gone, yeah, dude. (laughs) (laughs) So I've got a black tiger mask that's signed just sitting on my desk here. That's awesome. No, I don't think you've told me that one before. And I'm going to need you to take a photo and send it to me when you can, because that is awesome, man. He's a um, genuinely nice guy. Like, made time for everyone at the meeting, great talking to him and that. Yeah, and now he's uh, pretty much talent relations for New Japan. Of America or in Japan? Pretty much in getting American guys for Japan. Wow. Yeah, so he talks about that. Like when the Good Brothers contract was coming up last year or whatever it was, when the Good Brothers were about to sign with AEW, but then Vince backed up a dump truck full of money. Rocky Romero had to meet with the Good Brothers to try and get them to sign with New Japan. And like, imagine how weird that would be, like if you're Rocky or even if you're Gallows and Anderson, because these three guys are like really close like tight mates and you have to sit like a business dinner and like negotiate with each other like it'd be so hard to be professional about it yeah it would be (laughs) Rapunky Vice's theme song man it is just so catchy it's like just genuinely good hip-hop to be honest like I'm not the biggest hip-hop guy but like it's catchy it's fun it's got a good beat to it it represents a really underrated tag team as well like trent and rocky such a good song like i've got it on like my i go for a walk playlist (laughs) and like a few other songs that we'll talk about are on that playlist as well and i should mention that uh kenny omega's theme song is on that playlist too if i feel like getting a little bit dramatic on my walk (laughs) (laughs) so yeah Rapongi Vice highly underrated tag team 
The story of them being a tag team challenging for the junior titles, and if they lost to the Bucks again, uh, Rocky was going to give his blessings for Trent to move up to heavyweight. And it's like, why are the few amicable breakups in wrestling of a tag team that I can still remember? Oh, man, that was so good, actually. I hadn't thought about that in a while, but that was a really good, like, wholesome angle, to be honest. It's interesting to think, like, what would have come of Trent if AEW didn't come along? Where would he be in New Japan? Because I think he was starting to make some waves. Yeah, definitely. Him and someone like Hangman. Yeah, then there's, like, other crazy what-if scenarios. Like, what would have happened if AEW didn't exist and the Young Bucks were still in New Japan? Would they still even be over? Because they would have run out of opponents like a year ago. Quite possibly. Yeah, they might have just completely not be over to this day. (laughs) Were they still in the junior division then? They probably would have moved them up to the heavyweight. No, they had a heavyweight run. They lost the heavyweight titles at the Wrestle Kingdom before AEW, I think. They had a little heavyweight title run. Um, They might have lost the titles to Evil and Sonata or G.O.D. I'm not too sure. It's usually one of those two tag teams that has the belts anyway. Yeah, I'm sure (laughs) just locking one of those teams from that era. Yeah, pretty much the two teams. Yeah, so from there, we go across to my number eight, nothing other than the Holy Emperor from Suzuki Gun, Taichi. You'd know how much I hate the entrance. I hate how serious he is in the entrance about his fake lip syncing. What with me, how are they? Oh, where's she these days? I hope she's all right. We haven't seen her in a bit. Oh, yeah. I I guess she's not really that essential. Probably not at the moment, no. No. Tachi's entrance is just ridiculous, but yeah, it's a really good song. I wish I understood a single word from it so I could sing along with it. The crowd always seems to love it. Yeah, yeah. and like, as much as I don't get it, he is over. He's like so over. It's like the Attitude Era where everyone's over in WWF for some reason. Yeah, exactly. You look at New Japan and how many people are over who wouldn't be over in any other company. Dude, do you think Taichi would even make it out of the PC to perform at full sale? I was thinking more like a Ring of Honor or AEW or Impact, but no, they're not going to do that. Do you think Taichi would make it past Dar? Actually, I think he would. You know where I think they'd put him in WWE? Oh, no, where? With Elias. (laughs) That'd actually be fantastic. But yeah, so far, all the sort of themes we've talked about have either like built up well in anticipation or rent themselves well to like crowd interaction. That's a big thing for me about anticipation, like suspense, and then bang, it's in your face. It peaks right where it needs to peak. And crowd participation is obviously important, especially like it's live entertainment, even with New Japan sports presentation that they sort of do. This is, after all, just like a live 
of entertainment product that you're going to see and the entrances are the most important part of the entertainment aspect of a wrestling match in my mind yeah absolutely even though when he wins he doesn't pick up the mic and sing his way out <laughs> that's what does my head in as well yeah thanks for bringing that up it's like well it sounds exactly the same as you singing quote unquote down the ring so like come on man a bit of continuity like I I would like him to like you know just lose the microphone still keep the entrance and just like rock out on the way to the ring or something but just the lip syncing part just does my head in because like half the time he doesn't even look like he gives a crap about doing it like he's so unenthused about doing it sometimes yeah I suppose it depends on what he's doing that night (laughs) yeah or like you know like let's get over this lip think I've got to deal with having a 20-minute match with Ishii in a minute. Um, so speaking of Suzuki-gun, we go to my number seven, El Desperado. this one recently and I've spoken to you about this before like I'm kind of not really that familiar with El Desperado despite like me watching you know semi-consistently over the past couple of years just because his even his entrance and stuff like I sort of missed I didn't watch the majority of the best of the super juniors last year or the year before or the year before, like, usually, like, I'm just into the big, meaty men slapping meat, so <laughs> I've talked about that. Like, keep your flips, I'll have the fists, mate. Now, I sent you that match we were talking about uh, recently from the 2018 Best of the Super Juniors versus Dragon Lee. Have you had time to watch that? Uh, not yet, but okay. that is that <laughs> has actually been saved in my to-watch-later list because I'm actually very curious. Like, yeah, as I was saying like most of the times that I've seen El Desperado he's like part of a six man or an eight man or something like that and they come out to that also awesome like Suzuki gun like anthem theme you know like their faction theme it's so good it's a banger it's like just like a bunch of people just like chanting along to a song that's what it sounds like I just love Desperado's theme and it's sort of one of those rare ones in New Japan that's sort of influenced by another culture where it's very sort of Mexican sounding. Yeah, so this is something that I shouldn't have done this on air, but I'll just do it on air because, like, you could easily make me look like an idiot for even asking (laughs) this question. So I find it really weird that LIJ is so influenced by, like, Mexican culture and they've got the masked guy, Bushi, who's... The character's, like, very, like, you know, your classic Japanese sort of dude has got, like, the black mist, like, sort of fallen from his mouth and all that sort of stuff. But then you got the masked junior in Suzuki Gun who's blatantly Mexican-influenced. Why haven't they just swapped groups? They Mm. seem like they would be better fits for each other's group, to be honest. Yes, possibly. I'm not entirely sure. Desperado might have joined Suzuki Gun when they were still in Noah before they returned. Yeah. New Year's Dash. 
And then, like, I also understand that you got Kanemaru in Suzuki Gun, who sometimes wears, like, those tights that are very, like, Matador-esque at times with the pattern along the side. A lot of the Suzuki Guns members wear those pants where it's got the um, gold pan on the outside. Katamaru, Desperado, Taichi. Yeah, well, um, the particular gold pattern on um, Katamaru's, more so from a couple of years ago, was like the exact same pattern that like old Matador Tito Santana had on his pants. Oh, boy. Or the Matadors Diego and Fernando (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Don't you mean the colognes? Yes. Don't you mean the shining stars? Oh my god, remember them walking around with Puerto Rico pamphlets? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, like vignettes like hyping up like come to Puerto Rico and it just went nowhere? <laughs> no, they went back to Puerto Rico. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Hey, they're, they're no longer part of the WWE. Bring them in. Suzuki gun. <laughs> Maybe not. Yeah, I just really enjoy this theme. It stands out for me, and I've been a fan since that Best of the Super Juniors two years ago. Your number seven, Alex. Yeah, that's a really good number seven pick, but my number seven, when you're going to talk about music, you got to talk about, you know, some rock and roll. you got to talk about some music that feels real. So how about I pick the theme song of a real rock and roller, Prince Devitt. Like I say, like, I didn't really watch much New Japan before, like, Wrestle Kingdom 9. But, like, I had seen so many clips of Prince Devitt online. You know, the formation of the Bullet Club. I'd see him come out with that, you know, Jericho-esque light-up jacket that Jericho doesn't seem to credit that Devitt did it first. But whatever. <laughs> Let's move past that part. His entrance, man, especially when he'd come out, like, pretty much riding bad luck Farley to the ring, the light-up jacket, like this sort of techno sort of electronic, like trance-like music. It's just so good, man. And it's not even like the best theme he had in New Japan. And we'll get there later. Oh boy, yeah. For me, because I wasn't watching as much at the time, I don't associate Devitt with this, so I associate him more with his Zed theme, so it's one that sort of went under my radar. If you haven't heard it, it's sort of similar, I suppose, to a El Phantasmo sort of theme, the headbanger. Yeah, also, like, it's actually, Bad Luck Farley's has, like, little snippets of this theme in his theme. Yeah. Uh, Bad Luck Farley's, like, solo theme, if he ever comes out to it, like, he doesn't come out to that one as often as he used to. but like it has like sort of samples of the Devitt theme in it yeah it's just such a really good song and plus his entrance like his overall demeanor in Bullet Club back in the day like yeah this this is a guy I would I would love to see again but I don't think we're getting anywhere near a sampling of Prince Devitt in the WWE unfortunately yeah we've got the prime in NXT oh 
I hate it. I don't get it. I, I don't get it either. I thought his name is FXXXX because he's also that as well. Who knows? He may have somehow like gone into NXT and become like TNA Jeff Hardy where they're giving him all the creative control he wants, but like maybe that's not a good thing because he's almost too weirdly creative. Next thing you know, Finn Balor is going to be uh, narrating his own thoughts on NXT. Oh, what were those segments called? Oh, I don't know. There was stuff like his imagination. That's and it. <laughs> yeah, and like, and then like Jeff would have the weird like entrance music that he used to sing and all that sort of stuff. But this isn't about Jeff Hardy themes. You could probably almost do a, a top ten out of Jeff Hardy's TNA themes because he would swap them over every Bound for Glory. Prince Devitt's theme, it's iconic with New Japan in my mind. So you're number six from there. Yeah, so it sort of blends hand in hand with my number seven. It is a song that is still used to this day the bullet club theme shut him down i believe is the name bullet club Yeah, and it gets to that, like, certain point in the song where there's, like, weird, like, lyrics sort of, like, reverberated over the song. And, and, like, it took me forever to realise, but one day I realised, like, the lyrics are saying, I killed a human, I shot him with my gun. I killed a human, I shot him to the ground. I killed a human, I shot him with my gun. Yeah, it's certainly uh, different. It's weird, it's like... But it's just got this slow, like, swaggering beat to it. It doesn't go too high on the crescendo scale, but, like, it has this slow, swaggery nature that really lends itself well to Bullet Club. All the characters in it, it's it suits. Like, like you couldn't have, like, a fast-paced Bullet Club song and have Tamatonga, like, swaggering out there. Or, like, Kenny Omega coming out to, like, some fast rock or something. Yeah, well, it's sort of one of those songs that is now iconic of New Japan, especially for a lot of the English listeners. Yeah, exactly. Like, Bullet Club is a big reason why I got interested in New Japan. Like, even not watching New Japan, I knew what the Bullet Club was. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly an easy gateway into New Japan at the time, even if you were watching Ring of Honor or the Indies. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I'm... uh... Massive WCW mark, massive NWO mark. I hear that there's a faction in New Japan basically doing a modern day take on the NWO. I'm sold. I'll go check it out. And then I'll check it out. And then I discover all these other characters and craziness that goes on in Japan. And here I am all these years later and I'm looking at my watch and being like, oh man, I've still got another day to go till the next till the next night of G1. Oh man, I just want I just want some more Japan fix right now. Yeah. Well, I suppose speaking of G1s, I should reveal my number six, who was a cornerstone of the G1 for a long time, but missing out this year. It is Satoshi Kojima.
this is an absolute banger. I just love this song. Every time it comes on, it just pumps me up. Like, oh, yeah, Kojima's in a match. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's another one of those songs that has that anime feel to it, but it works so good. Yeah, like the synth and the guitar and all that sort of good stuff. And what a man it's for as well, the leader of the bread club. <laughs> I forgot about that. He loves him some bread. Yeah, him and Tenzan, when they team together, I still feel this is the better of the two fiends. Yeah. Kojima, I, I think he can still go as well. I would like to see him used a little bit more regularly. I get it, he's older, whatever, but, like, the dude can still go when they give him the chance. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sort of interested to see if they are going to do, I suppose, anything major with Kojima going forward. I would like to see, like, members of the, um, what they call the New Japan Dads, like, your Nagatas, your Tenzans, your Kojimas, all that sort of stuff. I was going to say Nakanishi, but he retired. Oh, yeah, no more money. Monster mornings. Nakanishi might have been the biggest dad of, of the dad crew. I would love like the dad crew to be like sort of all sort of in the never open weight mix. Ooh. Like mixing it up with Suzuki. I hadn't thought of that, but that'd be really good. I think that'd be a good spot for him, you know? Like I'm not saying you have him out there every road to and all that sort of stuff, but like, you know, give him a big show title match every now and then. You got enough of them to sort of rotate through them all. Nagata, yeah, Nagata, Jima, Jima, Tenzan. Tenzan. What's uh, Makabe doing at the moment? Oh yeah, you got Makabe, and like I wouldn't necessarily say he's a proper member of the dad crew, but you could chuck Honma in there as well, you know. Great bash heels, Honma and and Makabe JBH. Uh, oh man, I didn't even think about the fact that Makabe comes out to Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin. <laughs> <laughs> like that's really good. But it's just because this music has been muted for copyright reasons. Yeah. And yeah, you get his to, generic entrance. Yeah, you got to uh, YouTube his proper entrance. It's very, very good. Yeah, that old dad crew. Like, you could say that Ishii's sort of fallen into the dad crew. He's he's getting there. Suzuki's probably... Yeah, he's the heel dad. His heel dad. You know, that movie Hiroshi Tanahashi was in, my dad is a heel wrestler. That is Suzuki. It was a role made for Suzuki and they should have had him in it instead. Oh but yeah. my god, imagine that. <laughs> Suzuki in that. I need to actually watch that movie. I need to watch it. I know it's got subtitles and stuff. I need to check it out. Yeah, really good movie and once you're done watching the movie, check out the Fantastica Mania tag match between the four participants dressed up as the movie participants. Okay. Yeah, I'll check that out. Yeah, Bread Club for life. <laughs> well, I suppose from Bread Club, I should reveal my number five. It is none other than the leader of Los Ingoblinables Dehapon, Tetsuya Naito. song is like it's really good it's so good but like the way it starts you don't expect the guy to come out 
that comes out now because it's got like that star like what did he call himself stardust or whatever oh yeah the stardust genius yeah it has that stardust genius sort of intro with like yeah it just sort of sounds like what you would imagine stardust sounds like and i'm not talking about uh any evps from AEW, but like the way it starts it's all almost sounds like all glitzy and glamoury and like upbeat and like happy and then out comes like this broody like sort of like attitude written all over his face man in a suit just like sort of snarling at everyone but also like full of confidence and arrogance and all that sort of good stuff like the first like 10 seconds of this song does not fit Naito at all to the point that it kind of makes it even better you know the story behind the Stardust genius enlighten me sir so when Naito wins his first G1 he calls himself the Shuyaka or top star of New Japan, which yeah. leads to him eventually challenging Okada, where the fans like sort of laugh and reject this idea that it's going to be Naito Okada, and for the IC title, it's Shinsuke and Tanahashi, which yeah. leads to the infamous fan vote. Yeah, I know where, about that one. Where Naito loses two to one, and yeah. then he goes over to. Mexico with Rush and La Sombra, who people might better know as Andrade Cien Almos. Yeah. Because Sienna is a hundred times better than ten. How <laughs> 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 do you um, remember that angle? Come on. And then yeah, he sort of comes back to New Japan, rejects sort of being a fan favourite and forms Los Ingobernables de Japón with Evil and Bushi being the first two members, then Sonata, then Hiromu, then Shingo Takagi. Sort of weird because I was watching the G1 on Night 2, Naito Tanahashi, and it's playing off their rivalry from 2016. Like, they haven't had a singles match since then. Second best rivalry of the year, only overshadowed by what many consider the greatest rivalry of the modern era, Okada Omega. Yeah. Because they had those three outstanding matches all on the same nights as Okada Omega. Yeah, that's just uh, tough luck, really, isn't it? Uh, what, what year was it again, sorry? Uh, 2016, I believe. Yeah. Uh, would you say that might have been the peak year for New Japan? It'd be close to it. Yeah, and also in terms of bringing in new eyes to the product as well, like, what a year that was. Wow, that means I've been watching for, like, more than four years now. That's crazy. All right, I've been watching New Japan longer than I thought I had been. <laughs> um, wow, yeah, so... And that whole year was just insane. Like the match quality, not that it's gotten any worse since, it's definitely still just as good. But yeah, Naito, what a star, what an entrance. The, the one last thing I want to touch on there is like Naito when he's in a undercard, like six or eight man tag match, he comes out in his like Lossing Goblin Ubley shirt <laughs> and he just wrestles in his shirt. But when yeah. he's in the main event match, he comes out in his white suit and his white dress pants and he's like telling Red Shoes, just hold on, hold on, I gotta take my suit off, I'm looking nice here. <laughs> Oh, tranquilo, man. tranquilo. So from there, Alex, what do you have as your number five? My number five is the wrestler, Katsuyori Shibata.
it's kind of depressing to think about like you know what could have been with his career and all that sort of stuff but man it's such a good song it's one of those songs starts off slow and then it just builds up at just the right time for him to get into the ring and all that sort of stuff and the crowd last year's oh was it just before the G1 when Kenta sort of began attacking Goto and he comes out to save Goto and his music plays and the crowd just goes nuts are you talking about Kenta's heel turn yeah I think that was the finals of the G1 that was on the undercard yeah because then later on that night like Jay White comes out for the final and he brings out everyone from Bullet Club as the first time you see Kenta in the Bullet Club shirt like coming out with everyone anyway Shibata oh my god is this dude amazing go back watch Shibata Okada Shibata Suzuki like like yeah like that Wrestle Kingdom 9 I think he had some crazy like hard hitting match against someone on the undercard like because I just remember coming out of it being like on his video screen it was like the wrestler Katsuyori Shibata and I found that so like intriguing to me you know that's his nickname that people call him by the wrestler because you know that's pretty much the simple nature of him is he's just the wrestler so on Wrestle Kingdom 9 he was in a tag team with Goto and they defeated the Bullet Club it all connects back to Goto there being the one who sort of was trying to defend Shibata's honour there for a little while definitely got a cool story and all that sort of stuff Wrestle Kingdom 10 that really opened my eyes to Shibata it was him defeating the then champion of the Never Open Mate division Tomohiro Ishii in the third last match of the night. It was Shibata, Ishii, just insane stuff. I remember that sort of blowing my mind, that particular match that night. And that's the card that has Okada defeating Tanahashi. It has Nakamura defeating AJ Styles. And I came out of that being like, man, Shibata versus Ishii. What was that? That opened my eyes to everything that I love today. Yeah, just Shibata in general, like, any chance I get to give him some praise, like, like he's not a big guy in stature, but he's still a hoss in my eyes. Like, he's the little hoss. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to agree there. Yeah. Well, since we're talking about hosses, we're talking about New Japan, talking about hard-hitting, let's talk about one of my favourite wrestlers of all time, and a guy I've recently just, in the past year or so, since he unfortunately passed, I've been watching a lot of his New Japan stuff. You have to YouTube his entrances from New Japan because of the whole New Japan doesn't like showing classic entrances in their archives. Every match just starts from when the bell rings, which is kind of frustrating. Yeah, my number four is Big Van Vader. Eyes of the World is the name of the song. sort of slow to start off with yeah it's really slow it's got like this synthesizer sort of sound to it and then like 
just by the time he comes out and he sits his ridiculous helmet that blows smoke and pyro and all that sort of stuff. He sits it on the ramp. The music just picks up to like this fastish sort of like 80s sort of metal sounding stuff. And it's got lyrics and all that sort of good stuff. It's so good. It's such an awesome song. It's like just a genuinely good song that I would listen to outside of the context of wrestling. Yeah, I hadn't really heard this one before we've revealed each other's picks to each other before going on air and yeah this is certainly different from the um vader songs i expected of um wwf and wcw at the time when vader first debuted in wcw he had a sort of knockoff wcw version of this song that was like very similar but it was just like you know typical wcw like it's a bootleg version but then he went away from that version of the song later on when he became world champ and all that sort of stuff but yeah this song is just it's just perfect like the way the synth hits at the start like it sounds like a old 80s like horror movie like like a Jason Voorhees or like a Michael Myers from Halloween's about to murder you basically and well we're talking about Vader in Japan he's probably gonna murder you yeah it's the uh infamous Stan Hansen match uh, I recently watched that and like I know that people like might not want to go back and watch that because of what happens in it <laughs> Like, oh yeah, the uh, eyeball popping out. Yeah, but like, it's so good. It's such a good match. Like, Vader and Hanson just like, the ultimate two big meaty men slapping me. Like, oh my god. Like, if there was some way I could get a time machine and have like, Suzuki versus Vader like, both at their most hard-hitting primes. Oh, it would just be wrestling heaven for me. Or like, give me Ishii versus Vader both in their primes as well like heaven yeah th this song it's amazing it's a dude with like one of the best entrances that doesn't get talked about enough like with the helmet the slow walk the, the him just like with his arms spread out saying who's the man who's the man who's the man i'm the man it's me vader he always like walks down the ramp like chanting his own name as well which i always kind of find funny he's like vader 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 but yeah, uh, I love New Japan Vader. It's been one of my things that I've been going to a fair bit lately. Yeah, massive fan. Very good. Yeah, I'd definitely have to go back and rewatch the <laughs> Hanson Vader match. I don't think I've seen it in full. I also highly recommend watching Vader's New Japan debut. Who's he against? He squashes a Noki in like five minutes. <laughs> Wow. Like, like less than five minutes. It's like three minutes even. He, To be fair, Anoki had wrestled a match beforehand. They cut a promo, I assume. Uh, Anoki's like, oh, you got anyone else for me? Blah, blah, blah. Vader comes out, beats Anoki in like three minutes. The whole arena just goes dead silent and then just erupts with like, what? Like, you just knew that like they saw something in him. And this was before Vader was anything anywhere else and his first like massive massive match he squashes antonio anoki in like three minutes just insane wow yeah that might be like the most impressive like new japan debut of all time at least yeah it's hard to think of another one straight <laughs> off the top of my head yeah like who gets rocket strapped like that anymore no one really <laughs> no yeah 
yeah, just insane stuff. And you think about like Anoki at that time too. Like he's the Hulk Hogan of Japan at that time. Like he, he was the Hulk Hogan of Japan before there was a Hulk Hogan in America. Let's be fair. There was a Hulk Hogan <laughs> in Japan facing Anoki before there was a Hulk Hogan in America. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Anoki like had a match against Muhammad Ali. I love that match. It's so good. It's actually really good to watch because it like it a hundred percent looks like an MMA fight from today. Like it, it's a little bit more unorthodox, but yeah, like the whole feel of it's there. We've completely gone off topic, but yeah, everyone go watch Antonio Anoki versus Muhammad Ali, and go watch. Big Van Vader versus Antonio Inoki, their first match. Their second match, like, they have, like, a 30-minute, like, absolutely classic back-and-forth match. But Inoki wins. I need you to see, like, Van Vader squash Inoki. It's amazing. (laughs) Ah, man. So from big, beefy, muscly men, I suppose we'd move on to my number four pick, a tag team. Bullet Club tag team of the Gorillas of Destiny with their first song, Gorilla Tactics. Is that uh, Ain't Nobody Realer Than Gorilla? Yeah. Yeah, I love that one. Yeah, that's amazing. Hard done by to not make my top 10, but man, it's so good. It's so good. So good. <laughs> yeah, it's catchy. It's got an awesome beat to it. It just starts off like that with the bass and it slowly builds up. Ain't nobody realer than Gorilla. And it's just like, it's so much fun. Like, you just want to sing along to it. The way it's sort of... Wait, we're talking about the wrong song. You're talking about their newest song. I'm talking about their first song. Oh, man, I love their newer one, but yeah, okay. Yeah, their first one I really enjoy. Their new one, not so much. Oh, really? Okay. I suppose probably because I saw them so many times as this song. Yeah, their first... Their first theme's really good as well. Honestly, they probably didn't need to change theme songs, let's be real. Yeah. Man, like, one of them should keep the old one, one of them should use the new one when they are in different matches, which is quite rarely, but they should do that. Tama comes out to the old one, Tonga comes out to the new one. Yeah, it's such a good song. Pretty much the same thing I was about to say about the new one. It really lends itself into the slow sort of swaggering that the G.O.D. do when they come out to the ring, particular in particular Tama, just like in front of the camera, sort of crouched down, swaggering, staring at the camera, talking some trash. Like, it really lends itself well to it. Yeah, absolutely. So from there, do you have any honourable mentions before we talk top three? 
I have way too many honourable mentions. That Suzuki Gun theme I mentioned earlier, I had to listen to it. It's just like a just this hard rock song with a bit of a chant, a bit of an anthem, you would say. Ishii's theme song, fantastic. Yeah, I've got G.O.D. on here. Probably a different song than you, by the sounds of things. <laughs> I got Tachi on here as an honourable mention for the actual song itself, not as much as the actual man. Jay White I've got on here. It's such a good song. Every time I watch a Jay White match, like after I've finished watching the show, Jay White's theme is stuck in my head. It is so catchy and it just narrowly missed out for myself. Yeah. John Moxley's New Japan theme. Uh, I really like it. Uh, this slow plowing guitar, uh, the whole presentation, like, especially you go back, watch him, like, walking all around the top of Corican Hall before his match with Ishii, throwing shooter all around the place. Uh, Shingo's theme, Shingo Takagi's theme, another honourable mention. Kota Ibushi's theme, another good one. Katsuya Naito, you've already mentioned him. Kanahashi's, uh, not the Go Ace one, the one from like a few years ago. It's like his Go Ace theme, except it doesn't have Go Ace in it. That's like the iconic Tanahashi theme, right? Yeah. Any uh, other honourable mentions before I list off some of mine, Alex? Yeah, like I said, like uh, Ibushi, Naito, Tanahashi, and of course, Okada. Like, Okada's like the guy. Like, as most of the English-speaking audience of New Japan has sort of fallen in in the last few years like Okada's the guy and that theme song is just it's iconic as well and that pretty much rounds out my honourable mentions what about yours? Yeah so I had honourable mentions to Okada his Rainmaker theme not his depressed balloon theme (laughs) I didn't even conf- I didn't even think about that theme to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> the Tanahashi theme that you just mentioned, as well as Rapongi voice. Oh, good, felt, good, thank you. <laughs> I felt just missed out for me. Um, also, Kenny Omega, Katsuyori Shibata. Eugene Nagata. Awesome. It sounds like uh, someone decided his top 10. I sent through some of the songs from my top 10, and you're like, oh, crap, I better chuck them in my honourable mentions. Possibly. <laughs> yeah, because that's what, what I did with some of the ones that you sent me as well. Last couple of honourable mentions I want to touch on is like the how New Japan seems to use the same themes for their events. So that being the G1 theme.
the Dominion theme. And the Wrestle Kingdom theme. best of the super juniors fame yeah so i was familiar with almost all of these except obviously the best of the super juniors thing <laughs> because you know i like the big many men um but i listened to that one and that one blew me away that one was by far the standout of all of those ones i loved it yeah that one's my favorite um g1 theme is pretty standard i like it it lets you <laughs> know it's g1 time <laughs> exactly wrestle kingdom um sometimes i'll use like a commercial song as a song now but that was the traditional song up until a few years ago i think and the dominion theme they always use for their video packages at the start of the event yeah which is something i really like i wish a lot more companies would do like you look at the fed and they just use random commercial song yeah this is nxe takeover featuring poppy yeah this is nxt takeover thanks to the nxt screamo metal division uh here's some slipknot and some amity affliction enjoy <laughs> amity <laughs> affliction like... not that bad yeah <laughs> Slipknot, not that bad, to be honest. But, um, <laughs> Do I want them on my wrestling? Maybe not. <laughs> no, but also I long, I wish like WWE would bring back like drowning pool songs and saliva songs. Papa Roach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or like bring us, give us some Limp Biscuit again, like. If they were ever to do WrestleMania in Houston again, they have to do my way as a video package song. Everyone keeps saying that, but they probably won't. They wouldn't, but they... Man, I would love it if one WrestleMania, they just did that whole thing again. But, like, yeah, New Japan using the same themes. It sort of reminds me of, like, the late 80s, early 90s WWF. They had the same four themes for their big four pay-per-views. Like, WrestleMania had the... Yeah, that was really bad. But, um, yeah, and, and have Vince McMahon over the top of it being like, It's WrestleMania. It's Hulk Hogan versus the Iraqi sympathizer, Sergeant Slaughter. Um, <laughs> But that's, like, yeah, <laughs> completely off topic, but the opening video to WrestleMania 7 might be my favourite opening video of WrestleMania ever. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send it through to you one day, but yeah. Oh, God. So I love it when, like, promotions have the same songs for each particular event and they just use those every year. 
So yeah, I agree with you. Makes it a lot more nostalgic. Yeah, and also like, yeah, it gives each of those shows like its own unique flavour. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I suppose we should move on to our top three. Yeah, you go ahead, mate. So for me, number three, it is Hiroki Goto. Goto's not going to be my top three for anything, but this is a really good song. Yeah, that's why this is where the separation comes in between uh, <laughs> wrestling quality and <laughs> uh, music quality and Chris quality. <laughs> hey, man, you like Goto. Uh, I've been second guessing myself on my thoughts on Goto lately. I'm like, I say I don't like him, but I really like that match with him and and this match with him in it. And, you know, that match he just had was really good. Uh, Oh, yeah, Goto and Shibata, like, that tag match at Wrestle Kingdom, I really like. Oh, maybe I do like Goto. I just didn't know I liked Goto. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I really enjoy his theme song. It starts off with, like, this little guitar riff, and it's, like, almost like an opera, opera type chorus to it yeah yeah as it moves into like the the major sort of um component of the song yeah it's got this really sort of big match feel about it yeah definitely it's definitely uh a superstar quality like top level guy sort of quality song and definitely a deserved number three i completely forgot to even give him an honourable mention, to be honest. Oh, wow. You really (laughs) have turned the page on Goto this week. Yeah, I forgot to give him an honourable mention, but yeah. (laughs) I I honestly didn't even think about typing his name into YouTube looking for songs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I just, every time I hear it, it just sort of stands out and it's just, oh yeah. Goto's fine. <laughs> yes, it's it catchy is. Catchy too. Yeah. Um, it's unlike anything else because it does have that like sort of opera singer um, element on there, so it stands yeah. out from everything else. Not only on New Japan, but almost on any other roster worldwide. Yeah, definitely. My biggest issue with Goto though is he's got this awesome song, great, great for an entrance, and he just comes out walking. With, like, no expression on his face. Doesn't do anything cool. <laughs> like, th- that's the main thing I don't like about Goto. He seems to have, like, the same expression on his face all the time. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> but, yeah. Banger of a tune. Absolute banger of a tune. So, speaking of that, where do you go for your number three? So... This one, um, like, if we were to do a WWE top 10, I think you'd have to put The Undertaker's theme song pretty high on the list. 
not necessarily just because of the music. Because, like, you know, it's a standard funeral sort of song. <laughs> um, but because of the entrance it represents, right? Like, like Stone Cold's theme song is literally two chords. I'm a guitarist, I know. <laughs> it's E-F-E-F. E-E-E-F-F-F. But still, it's a banger of a tune. Um, so my number three is more so for the entrance it represents and the absolute pageantry involved in it, but also the music really lends itself to it. It is the great Muta, the Muta Concerto. So it's sort of like, um, you know, some might say it's a bit stereotypical Asian song that, like, you know, Vince would probably give, like, Funaki back in the day, like, poor guy. It has that sort of traditional Japanese feel to it, but it's got a bit more of a beat. It picks up, it gets a bit melodic, and, like I said, the entrances that it represents, the great Muto, man. Like, it's, there's probably no more iconic character in Japanese wrestling than the great Muta. Yeah, it's sort of hard to sort of name someone a bit more iconic than him in terms yeah, of it, um, Japanese wrestling worldwide. Yeah, and, like, I, I've always, like, when I was younger, like, I got a couple of WCW VHS tapes. I've talked about that before, but, like, one of the VHS tapes I had, like, had a match between Sting and the Great Muta that I used to, like, try to redo with, like, I'd try to do a wrestling match because I'm an only child. I'd do a wrestling match in the lounge room where the couches all sort of lined up in a square, like, using, like, couches and, like, some tables and all that sort of stuff as my ring ropes, basically. I'd have a match against a pillow because I didn't have a younger brother to beat up unlike you who had two of them yeah <laughs> <laughs> then your little sister comes into the mix and you know you can do some mixed tag and all that sort of stuff but <laughs> but uh poor old fruity over here had to just wrestle pillows and i used to reenact the sting muta match all the time in the lounge room i used to also used to reenact um Macho Man versus Warrior from WrestleMania 7 and Hogan versus Warrior from WrestleMania 6. Yeah, great Muta. As a kid, the first time I saw him on one of these old VHS tapes, I was like, whoa, what is this dude? And he'd do the miss. And like the first time I saw him was before like Tajiri showed up and all that sort of stuff. So it was my introduction to the mist and all that. And you know, the moon salts, you know, later on the shining wizard, the mood of luck, like the dude was just all star power. Like 
and you see him, and especially when you're a kid, like your imagination runs wild. Like, what is this guy? Like, is he even a human being, man? <laughs> like, the way he'd walk with that crouch style, and he'd have like the samurai garb, and have dragons, like metal dragons on his shoulder, and stuff like that, and like just craziness, just the overall presentation of it, and like. Like I said, this is number three on my list, not necessarily just because of the music, but because of what the music was a part of. Absolutely. It's sort of really iconic when you think about it. Yeah, definitely. And then I suppose you're number two there, Alex. Yeah, so like I said, you sort of uh, undersold one of my previous... uh, One of my picks. I think you, you had him at either nine or ten or something like that. Um, my number two is Jushin Thunder Liger. <laughs> Doing double duty today. <laughs> Yeah, man. Oh, well. Well, uh, there's a lot worse wrestlers you could have on a card pulling double duty than Jushin Lager, that's for sure. Yes. Um, So, yeah, if you want to run down any of your thoughts here. Yeah, like, we sort of touched on it earlier, like, the crowd participation involved, like, all that sort of good stuff, the chant, the, like I said about Muda, like, what it represents... Like, and also just the song itself. It's just a banger of a song. Like, like the synth, the guitar, like all that sort of stuff. Um, it's just a great song. Uh, especially we're, we're in the, you know, we're about eight months past the retirement of Liger. And oh, man, yeah, that happened. Like, <laughs> I completely forgot about that this year. Yeah, right? Like, Liger retires and the world ends, basically. He's so, wrestling. Yeah, like... Like, the world could not handle a, an existence without Jushin Liger wrestling. But, um... Yeah, like, the last time they played that song in... What was it, Corican Hall, where they did um, the big tribute? Or... I think it was... It's usually Corican Hall for New Year's Dash. I think it was Ottawa City Gymnasium. Okay. So it's like the gymnasium the anniversary shows normally held in. Yeah. Uh, like the, that tribute, that retirement tribute thing, and then you get to hear that song one last time and all that sort of stuff. It was just, yeah, had had me balling like a baby. I actually went back and like watched that in... Um, Japanese as well the next day and wow yeah 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 actually that's probably something I should do too just to hear the emotion and the commentators and all that but I will say because you know English commentary hasn't really been around for us (laughs) Um, (laughs) I love hearing Jushin Liger's um, raspy voice on Japanese commentary. He's just got such a distinct voice. He's like almost got a John Laurinaitis style voice. 
Did you see him? It must have been on night two, just before they went to the ad breaks. Oh, I can't remember the main announcer's name for the Japanese commentary, but like he's thrown to Liger, and Liger starts talking. And he's sort of talking, talking, and you can't hear him. So the other announcer leans over and pushes Liger's mic so it's turned on, and just Liger <laughs> goes, like, pretty much just crumples and starts laughing and breaks. <laughs> I miss that. Um, I did notice um, at the end of night two, uh, Naito goes to give Liger a fist bump. Uh, Liger, Liger bites the bait. <laughs> he takes the bait. He goes, throws his fist up there, and Naito quickly just turns his fist into a bird, flips <laughs> Liger off, and Liger just looks so disappointed in, in himself for falling for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah oh. but like like is amazing like his we talked about it already like the music is amazing it is iconic Japanese wrestling music yeah absolutely and then I suppose from one that I undersold to going to one that you undersold <laughs> lower on your card I believe it was about number seven we go to the King of Strong Style, Shinsuke Nakamura. So uh, what number did you have Liger? Ten. So I had Nakamura at nine. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's it's one of those things where you start listening to everyone else and you go, Oh yeah, but they're here and that's <laughs> yeah. here and da, 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 da. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Um Yeah, uh Nakamura's song is iconic. Uh I pretty much went way too in d- in depth talking about it, like yeah, somehow we went into talking about, like, Eliza and NXT and all that sort of stuff, so I don't have too much more to add, but I'll let you talk about it a bit more. Yeah, Nakamura, I've said a number of times, was sort of the man who got me interested in New Japan and watching from there. And, oh, I can't remember if it was one of the very beginning shows in 2014, or it might have been the tour after that. They did like a farewell to Nakamura match and they've all come out in their like Nakamura shirts and he's wrestled the match and afterwards he's carried off on the team's shoulders and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah I've still got one of those shirts somewhere in me <laughs> somewhere in me dresser. Oh, that's awesome. But yeah, oh, I just listen to this music all the time and I'm just like, oh yeah, remember when Shinsuke was good? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just plain red pants Nakamura with a Michael Jackson jacket. That's what I want. Yeah. <laughs> I want Not this. I want Yay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, get rid of Kinshasa. I want Yay back. You know why uh, they changed it? Because of Muhammad Ali, wasn't it? Yeah, and you know what the English translation is? What? 
So it comes from the Ali Foreman Rumble in the Jungle match where the fans were chanting Ali Bumaye. Yeah. So it pretty much translates to Ali kill him. Ah, uh, yeah. So that's why they changed it to Kinshasa, which is the city where the fight took place in Africa. I like that touch, actually. <laughs> that, that actually makes me like Kinshasa a bit more, so that's good. I like the continuity. So, um, before we get into our number ones, is it safe to assume that we both have the same number one now? Um, perhaps. I suppose we can each read over our ten. Yep. So, number 10, I had Jushin Funder Liger. Number 9, Show. Number 8, Taichi. Number 7, El Desperado. Number 6, Satoshi Kojima. Number 5, Tatsuya Naito. Number 4, The Gorillas of Destiny. Number 3, Hiroki Goto. Number 2, Shinsuke Nakamura. Yeah, solid, solid list. So, what I've got is number 10, Kenny Omega. Number 9, Shinsuke Nakamura. Number 8, Rapungi Vice. Number seven, Prince Devitt. Number six, The Bullet Club. Number five, Katsuyora Shibata. Number four, Big Van Vader. Number three, Great Muta. Number two, Jushin Thunder Liger. And I'll let you do the honours here, sir. Yeah, number one, and I have a very strong suspicion that yours is exactly the same. It is... uh, the king himself, Kaze Ninare Minoru Suzuki. What a jam. Yeah, I think by the amount of times I've talked up Suzuki, this was quite clearly going to be my number one. (laughs) Yeah, and I even tried my best to not put this at number one, but I had to. Like, this song is on my top ten most played songs of 2018, 2019, and 2020 on Spotify. Oh, wow. Like, Like, I can't get enough of this song. Yeah, oh. Like, once Nakamura left and then Suzuki-gun came back, I was just, oh, my gosh, who are these guys? And I was all about Suzuki-gun. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, Like, the first time I saw Minoru Suzuki, I was like, who is this dude? Like, you just look at him and you're like, that dude's been through something. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he's... He's been to things. He's seen some stuff. Like, yeah, I think the first Suzuki match I ever saw was, um... It was something to do with him and, um, Sakuraba. Oh, wow. Yeah, I saw something with him and Sakuraba at one point. Yeah, they had a match at Wrestle Kingdom 9, and I... I actually knew who Kazushi Sakuraba was because I owned a couple of Pride DVDs. And one of the DVDs I owned, Kazushi Sakuraba won a fight against one of the Gracies. 
with a dislocated elbow. Wow. That's yeah, impressive. It was, yeah, his like elbow was all over the place weird. And then he ended up winning with a Kimura himself. The same move that like dislocated his elbow. He ended up like putting on a Gracie, a jiu-jitsu specialist to win. So like I saw Wrestle Kingdom 9 and Kazushi Sakuraba comes out. And I'm like, what is going on? And then he faces this dude. And I think this was um, my first introduction to Suzuki was all white Suzuki. The bleached eyebrows, the bleached hair, the white trunks, the white boots, all that sort of stuff. Like looking like the most evil of villains, like with that bleached eyebrows and hair. And it was like a singles match that could end with like knockout submission or referee stoppage and Suzuki beat Sakuraba. And like it wasn't that great of a match or anything, but like the whole presentation of Suzuki and his entrance and all that sort of stuff, I was like, who is this dude? And yeah, to this day is my favorite guy in New Japan. Oh, wow. I wouldn't expect that. I thought you would have said, like, Ishii or <laughs> one of the other sort of bigger guys. Yeah, like, Ishii's up there. But in terms of, like, it doesn't matter who you put Suzuki in the ring with. I want to watch him wrestle. Yeah, give him Yoshihashi, give him 20 minutes, and I'll still somehow be emotionally invested. And, yeah, I don't like Yoshihashi. <laughs> like, I may be having some weird, like, existential crisis about whether or not I like Goto. I don't think my opinion's going to change on Yoshihashi. But, but, yeah, like, Suzuki, like, you put him in there with anyone, and, like, every year I'm just like, oh, they're going to give him a shove. Give him a shove. Get him in the main event pitching. Give him a push, man. And, yeah, like, you're more outspoken about your love of Suzuki Goon. I'm more so just into Suzuki himself. Like, I I'd want to see a feud of Suzuki Goon against Suzuki. Just all of them against him. Well, that's what happened with Kojima when he lost control of Kojima Goon. Yeah, exactly. Taichi Taka Mishinoku, I think, turned on him. Yeah. So it was Kojima MVP... Oh, and someone else who were left on the outside and those two turned on him and brought in uh, Suzuki to become the new leader. Oh, uh, Shelton X Benjamin a part of that? Maybe. Yeah, because I remember Shelton Benjamin was there as well. Maybe the beginnings of the Hurt Business. But yeah, have you ever gone back and seen Suzuki's Wrestle Kingdom 7 entrance versus Nagata? Uh, I have not. Oh, my God. I'm going to do it. <laughs> as soon as we're off the air here, I'm going to go do it. So he has the lady who sings, like, the actual song because the song's connected back to an anime, I believe. Yeah. So he has her come out and sing his song live for him at Wrestle Kingdom in the Tokyo Dome. That's amazing. But that's still not my favourite Suzuki entrance. <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm impartial to that lady singing him out to wrestle in the rain. Oh yes, the draw in the downpour. Yeah, exactly. The draw in the downpour. I love have, that. Yeah, haven't you ever heard it before? That <laughs> no, no, I haven't. No. <laughs> um, oh man, I love that. <laughs> Definitely for because of the first time I saw him. I'm very uh, biased towards, like, all-white Suzuki. 
Like, <laughs> like he's done it a few times. But, um, yeah, it's crazy. Oh, who was it that he had the hair match with at Wrestle Kingdom? Goto. Goto. Yeah, and the whole thing of, like, after the match, he just shaves his own head. Yeah, because he doesn't want to be embarrassed. So, he, like, the Suzuki Gun members are trying to usher him out of the arena and he just goes, no, nah, I'm going back and doing it myself. Yeah, he just sits on a chair and just shaves his head in the middle of the ring. Like, how do you not love this guy? Like, people listening, like, he's just he's just one of the boys, right? <laughs> like, he's, he's just like, he's a man's man. He's just, <laughs> he's just so cool. And he doesn't, like, it's not like his entrance is anything special. Like, in terms of what he does. He pretty much just walks out, stops at the on the apron when it says the immortal line of Kaze Ninare. Yeah, he just comes out, towel on his head, <laughs> doing his thing. Yeah. But just, it, there's just something about him. It's just this, it's just this intangible charisma that he just has from just sta- standing there. Just looking like he's been in a million fights in his life, which he probably has. And there's just something, you look at him and you go, that guy's somebody. I need to know, like, what the, where this guy's been, what he's been through. Like, and I don't want to mess with this dude. No, I, absolutely not. Yeah. And, like, I've said on podcasts before, like, I have this obsession with, like, wanting to know, like, wanting to watch Minoru Suzuki live his daily life. Like, wanting to watch Minoru Suzuki mowing the lawns. Wanting to watch Suzuki just, like, go to, like, whatever Japanese equivalent of Bunnings is. Um, (laughs) Like, just wanting to see him, like, go to, like, Japanese Bunnings, like, oh, yeah, I'm... I need to buy a new garden hose. <laughs> like, I don't know, just see, seeing this dude, like, cook breakfast for his wife or something nice like that. Like, uh, like I would imagine if I saw him do any of those things, I would still think he's doing it in the most intimidating fashion. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Even him just running his um, pole driver store. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, not that many people can look as tough as he does in a fedora. I know, I try. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, my apologies. No, you're you're too lovable to be, to be intimidating, mate. <laughs> yeah, but my favourite Suzuki entrance is the one that I was there for live at Festival Hall in Melbourne. Yeah, of course it would be. Um, <laughs> fair old pop for the Kaze Nino, eh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah Versus one of our favourites on NXT at the moment. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the former Jonah Roth, Bronson Reed, right? Yeah, absolutely. 
Oh my god, that would have been great. That would have been amazing, actually. I also would love to see the match he had in Perth against Davis Storm. Oh, I've seen that one. I haven't seen it like in ages, but from what I remember, it was really good because they're all yeah. up on New Japan World. Yeah, yeah, I definitely need to like browse through it all. But yeah, that that would that's something that I've heard David Storm talk about. Like, it's an obvious bragging point for him that he got to <laughs> wrestle Minoru Suzuki. Like, if I was a wrestler, I'd be bragging about it too, especially if I could still walk. <laughs> if I came out of it with without a <laughs> concaved chest. Um, but, yeah, like... Uh, my personal favourite uh, Minoru Suzuki entrance, now that I think about it, is um, not not that long ago, actually. It is uh, Minoru Suzuki's surprise entrant in the Madison Square Garden Battle Royal. Oh, yeah, I completely forgot about that. <laughs> Man, that pop was just insane. It was like him and Liger were surprise entrants. And Muta. Uh, oh, the Muta as well. Yeah, and they played the Muta song that I had in the list. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they pretty much had my top three or four. <laughs> um, no, top three, yeah. <laughs> my top three in that one battle royal. <laughs> so that tells you that I have the definitive top three. <laughs> nah. But, um, yeah, that the Kaze Ninore, when he came out for a surprise, like, entrance at a battle royal, like, it was as loud as I ever heard. Especially, like, the fact that you think, like, Madison Square Garden and he got that sort of reaction. Like, and they always said, like, Japanese wrestling wouldn't get over in America. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so I suppose with that being said, where do we go next, Alex? Yeah, I think we're going to do another music review because this was fun. But this time we ain't going to do a top 10 list, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to listen to an album and this will play along with a certain you-know-who's uh, fantasy booking of WCW because we're going to listen to the Macho Man Randy Savage Be A Man rap album. And oh God. Just, ladies and gentle humans, like there's been so many times where Hoggies uh, surprised me on air with stuff, but apparently I have podcast amnesia, so <laughs> maybe it wasn't a surprise. I just forgot. But this is one instance of me fully surprising Hoggy on there. <laughs> oh, man, I can't wait for you to hear this one. <laughs> It'll and certainly if, be different. Uh, and if you only listen to a minute of each song, I'm fine with that as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is it? Savage in like 03, 04? Yeah, it's, it's 03, I think, yeah. Is this when he's like in his all-leather get up with his little leather cap and his sunnies. Yeah, and he's holding a chain. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Is this sort of what you envision for the ultimate game show? Yeah, this is like... It, like, um, 
I think like 1999, like super like Randy Savage, where his skin is full on hot dog, except with the outfit of rap album Macho Man. So he's super jacked and huge, but he's got the chain, he's got the backwards leather cap, he's got the leather pants and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's what I'm picturing. Uh, by the time that episode comes out, uh, we, we would have fleshed out that particular Macho Man character a bit more. So, um, yeah, I feel like it sort of lends hand in hand and sort of helps me promote my show, brother. <laughs> Get your stuff in, brother. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So um, I think this will be interesting. There's... Uh, there's actually a song that I think is actually kind of touching and heartwarming in it, which is so weird to say, but there's a, a song that's a tribute to Mr. Perfect after Mr. Perfect passed away that I think is actually kind of touching, but also like a really weird way to pay tribute to your friend. But music lives forever, so I guess that's a good way of doing it. Yeah, the song is called Perfect Friend. And... um yeah, I'll leave that at that. There's also a song called Be A Man, the title of the album, where he pretty much calls out Hulk Hogan. And there's interviews online of Macho Man um, pretty much like saying that he challenges Hulk Hogan to a shoot fight at WrestleMania. Oh for, for WrestleMania 20, he wanted a shoot fight against Hulk Hogan and all the proceeds from their match will go to charity. Nothing happened there. <laughs> Nothing happened there, but it would have been, it probably would have been better than Goldberg versus Lesnar from WrestleMania 20 anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> or they could have just swapped opponents. You could have had a Lesnar versus Savage in a shoot fight. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. No, no, but we, no, Lesnar versus Hogan in a shoot fight. Give, give Hogan the tougher opponent. <laughs> yeah let, let him get his head punched in then give savage goldberg savage mm. can beat him probably but yeah there's some crazy songs on there there's um this song called turn it up right and it starts with this like guitar riff and then it just like has like macho man like saying oh yeah a bit of a bit of hip-hop and a bit of rock and roll. I like this one. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's just ridiculous. But yeah, I can't wait to talk about it. Um, you're probably going to hate me for it, but it'll be a good bit of fun and we'll provide plenty of banter, that's for sure. Yes, indeed. So from there, should we talk about the ye old schedule? Les schedule. <laughs> <laughs> Le schedule de podcast. <laughs> de hapon. Oh, no. Wrong thing. <laughs> Wrong country. <laughs> yep. Uh, man. Monday the 28th will be Fallout Done under number 13, talking WWE 24 documentary WrestleMania The Show Must Go On from the 23rd of August 2020. And then back on Wednesday the 30th, talking the weekly wrestling wrap, including our R Block discussion and our schedule for October. Yeah, so we're going to keep the listeners guessing for our October schedule. Uh, we can reveal it at the start of that show, if you like. Yeah, sounds good. Um, yeah, we've got a big month coming up. 
uh, we ain't slowing down anytime soon. So, you know, you, you're getting your money's worth, as I say. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So with that being said, I guess we'll talk to all the lovely humans next time. Have a Kaze ni good day. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, that was so bad. You're welcome. <laughs>